Welcome to the Dry Bar Comedy Podcast. As usual, it's Taylor Nielsen. And it's me, Jordan Macon, your co-host. That's right. And you're my co-host. <laughs> oh, God. Co-host. We're equal. Um, it's, it's the podcast. It's the podcast where you can hang out with your favorite Dry Bar comedians, have a laugh, get to know them as if they were in the room with you. That's the feeling we're trying to create. I think we're accomplishing the feeling. Your hat looks nice, by the way. Thank you. It's my brother's hat from when he worked at a uh, state park in high school. Wow. So it's a uh, it's vintage at this point. It's cool. It's very it's a it's a strong green. I like it. It's my favorite color too, honestly. And that's true. That's good. I'm learning so much about you. <laughs> um, we really appreciate. We were just first. We want to give a. A thank to a thank <laughs> singular. <laughs> a, a thank to you viewers um, for tuning in every week. And if you haven't already, uh, if you like the podcast or you just want to give some feedback in general, leave a review. You know? Yeah, on iTunes or Spotify, Spotify or wherever your reviews are accepted. We'll we appreciate it. We, I mean, if they're good reviews, we appreciate it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. be honest. But be honest. You know, yeah. cut us some slack. Speaking of honesty, <laughs> yeah, we honestly have an awesome guest today. We do. I'm very excited. So maybe we should jump to the clip and get right to it. I say let's go to the clip. People find out you're native. They got all sorts of questions. They come, I got this here. Oh, Mark, you're Native American? I bet your children have beautiful traditional tribal names. So I'm like, uh, yeah, a little big mouth and ground it till Christmas. <laughs> Oh, you're Native American. Can you share some of your ancient tribal wisdom? I'm not even from the reservation. I just make stuff up. <laughs> like, sure, ancient tribal wisdom. Ancient tribal wisdom. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. <laughs> Felt good to get out of the rain. <laughs> Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. The doo-doo-doo, the da-da-da. That's all I have to say to you. All right, you know him from his dry bar comedy special, Mid-Laugh Crisis. Welcome, Mark Yaffe. Thanks for being here on the pod. Well, thank you guys, man. It's great to be back in Provo. I'm excited to uh, chat it up and uh, get to know each other. Excited to have you. Well, we're going to get to know each other, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> whether, you, whether you want to or not. But, um I love it. And we, we were just talking about, because in your special, you mentioned, like, you asked the audience, have you ever seen a native stand-up com comedian before? And the answer is probably no. What's it like being in the comedy worlds? Well, I think there's only two two native comedians that have done dry bars, and myself and Larry Omaha. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. Larry, yeah. And uh, and I'm not even full blood. So let's be, I got to get right out of the gate. I'm mixed blood. I'm actually Mexican, Irish, and Navajo. I'm in Mexico, so. <laughs> <laughs> It's great though, you know. We we get a little bit of liberty being of uh, uh, such a minority. You know, natives are such a small segment of the population. So usually, you get an original spin on things that people haven't heard, just because there's not a ton of us. Yeah, it's all right. right. So maybe I, I may not be the most original among native people, but I'm the most original among mainstream comedy fans. Who may not have heard the stuff before, the ideas. So that's 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 kind of fun to bring that that spin out. Totally, yeah, for sure. totally. Do you really have people? asking you for advice just for purely for the reason that you you have that native blood it's it's happened a few times yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's people are you know, they are super curious and then the high cheekbones i get that one all the time <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I, I, i'm part native too i have because i have high cheekbones also <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i feel like i run into people a lot who uh look straight up caucasian but then they say like you know what you wouldn't know it about me 
but I've got a little bit of and there's American some, You blood. know what? I've met some people. Like I did a show in uh, Miami, Oklahoma. Not to be confused with Miami, Florida. <laughs> I was going to say. Because yeah. <laughs> I play all the major venues. <laughs> and they, after the show, the, the entertainment director said, I'd like you to meet uh, our chief, Chief Roman. And I thought he was like the chief of police, blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude. He was, he was the you know, tribal, tribal president, chairman. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it just you never know. It's you what never the, know. The, some of the skin tone are you going to end up. So I, I you know, I, I try not to to judge people too when they say, oh, here we go again. It's, it's my grandma was a Cherokee Indian princess. Oh, she, you might have more native blood than I have. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so are, are you and Larry extremely competitive with each other or supportive? Oh, we're pretty supportive, <laughs> you know, except when we're on the same show, then we're trying to be out funny each other. But Larry, yeah. Larry's so super chill, you know, this, he's, uh, we did an all native special for Showtime and that was the first time I got to work with him. This was in 2010. Myself, Larry, uh, late Charlie Hill. This, Charlie Hill was the first native comic to appear on uh, Johnny Carson's show. Oh, okay. He worked. He wrote for Richard Pryor, oh, cool. Roseanne Barr. Yeah, so it was pretty historic. It was us three and uh, four other comics. And originally, I told Showtime I wouldn't do the special because they didn't want. To, they just wanted to have me, Larry, and Charlie. And I'd been touring with these other three comics. We had this tour called Powell Comedy Jam. I'm like, oh, bro, you can't, you can't just break off and let us down. So. I actually told Showtime, ah, I don't, I'd rather not do the special unless my friends are included. And I was like, you, you're probably, probably not a good career move. But they actually came back like four days later and said, yeah, we'll put them all on. So, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's hey, you awesome. strong arm Showtime. Wait I strong arm Showtime. <laughs> and I haven't been back on since. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. So have you had a chance to do uh, shows while you're doing that? What was it called again? Oh, the, the Showtime special is called uh, Going Native American Indian uh, Comedy Slam. Oh, sweet, sweet. Yeah. How, did you have you ever had a chance to perform for mostly native crowds? Or? Quite, quite a bit. Yeah, we'll do okay. some uh, tribal conferences, or there'll be like a, a celebration. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did a uh, show one time. It was on a, a rock in the Sierra Nevadas for a, for a tribal gathering up like five thousand feet elevation. We kind of oh, wow. parked and hiked up. And microphones? Right no microphone. Microphone. Yeah, yeah, no microphone. It was just. The echo of the Sierra Mountains, yeah. Sierra Nevada Mountains. Was, <laughs> you get some weird stuff. The, the first one we did, uh, one of the first gigs we did as a, as a comedy tour, the Powell Comedy Jam, because we were like, hey, we'll emulate Blue Collar and Kings of Comedy. That's so we have a native version of this, right? Yeah, right, so, totally. So it, it caught on. We did a lot of tribal events. We they had us do one. It was booked at the, it was called the Evergreen Park in the middle of the desert in, in uh, uh, Kishan uh, Tribe. It was uh, just at the border of California, Arizona. And so, first of all, there's nothing evergreen. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite a name. And then they put you on a softball. We put us on a softball field, and the bleachers, like, for the closest people were, like, at least 45, 50 yards. And then everyone else is sitting around the outfield in their cars, and they'd honk their horn and, like, flash the lights. And it was pre-COVID, like, you know, when they were doing the theater shows. Yeah, COVID, yeah, like, yeah. It was, pre, it was a pre-COVID. Oh, that wasn't a COVID show. It was just people yeah. in their car show. Right, people in their car. And then we were right by this major thoroughfare for, like, trains between, like, uh, L.A. and, and, and Phoenix, so about every seven minutes, right in the middle of a punchline, a freight train would like show up. <laughs> and, like, uh, so yes, I have done some deep tribal gigs. We do, you know, you do everything from the smaller casinos in the middle of nowhere to the to the nicer ones in the urban areas. So it's it's a good experience, you know. It's oh, every, everyone's different. Yeah, sweet. So that that uh, show for cars out in in Arizona or in yeah. Arizona. That's is that the worst gig you've ever had, or you've had Ooh. some. Uh, I know we did one. I did an Armed Forces entertainment show in Okinawa, and there was a typhoon, so they canceled the main show. <laughs> then they rebooked us, but they didn't tell anyone. So it was just us, like 
three people in the staff and like this 300 seat auditorium oh, <laughs> in Okinawa, Japan. So that was, that was a little painful, you know, like, Oh, you're going to do your time, right? Can we just all sit at the table and chat? You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Did the right. three people have a good time though? Do you think? Uh, I think they like, I think they like the other comedian. Yeah, it's okay. It's just, <laughs> that's always hard when yeah. you can feel the emptiness of a room that's supposed to have so much more people in it. It's amazing it's how the brutal. emptiness moves in, internally. Yeah. You absorb it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Instead of me sending it, laughter out i was absorbing sadness in <laughs> that's, oh sorry go ahead taylor i was just wondering if that's kind of like what it felt like to do any zoom shows that you did uh during COVID. Zoom? you know what happened with zoom i just got in bad habits because i would just start posting all my jokes on the on the on the wall so or i'd have them on my my uh, computer, I use like a teleprompter. Oh, yeah. So I was writing a lot, but I'd be like trying to pretend I wasn't looking at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I started getting back to live shows. I was like, I was so used to like reading my notes. It took me a minute to get back to the, you know, the, yeah. the live muscle, not not looking at notes. But those were a little, those were a little awkward. You know, we'd have some guy's dog start barking in the middle of your set. Because sometimes, depending, you know, who monitored the, the Zoom show, they would have a moderator and sometimes there was no moderator. Right. Sometimes the crowd, uh, they left the audience mic so you could hear the response and then sometimes they were muted. So either way, something went wrong. If they were muted, you yeah, didn't know what's yeah. going on. And if they were making noise, someone's microwave would go off or the, the you know, a UPS guy would show up and the dog <laughs> would go crazy. Reprimanding their kids or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I, I did a show with a one Bay Area comic. He started heckling. He was doing crowd work in the Zoom room. It was, it was awesome. He's like, oh, look at this guy's couch. What's going on? Oh, that's you can't awesome. Af- you can't afford to patch that thing? He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cat is that thing? Where did you, where did you rescue that? Out of a dumpster? He's like, just like he's yeah. clowning people. I, was like, I had to give him that's credit. That's the way to do it. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. The awesome. problem is the eyes just turn their camera off. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, then, stop looking at my couch. Yeah, I don't, I don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah and then you're like kind of groveling for tips you know it's like oh you know it's like oh if you enjoyed the show and then you have to sit there and watch people just click click <laughs> shut up <laughs> everyone's broke you know so some people would tip but generally not you know yeah right, right, yeah right. zoom so zoom shows were difficult i didn't do too many of them during covid but there was a couple of people insisting that zoom shows were here to stay and they were the next big thing and they were acting like it was going to push out live comedies and that no, it's not happening <laughs> no, it doesn't capture the same no. thing um, no. I have to ask you on your bio. He says you do a, you did a show on an Alaska Airlines flight. Yeah. I just need to know what that was and how that happened. Air, land, and sea, baby. That's <laughs> I, 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 I just got to get space credits. I think I'll, I'll have a I'll have a good point. I was uh, going to Fairbanks. We were doing a show in conjunction with the World Eskimo Indian Olympics in Fairbanks. Uh-huh. And if I remember correctly, because you know you know how the joke. You start doing a joke about it, and then that morphs reality, so you don't remember the actual details. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. My buddy Gilbert went up, and uh, he was the opener for the show, and then he talked to the lady, and then he came back. And for some reason, I went up. And in the, in the joke, I say, well, Gilbert went up there and, and asked if we could uh, announce the show because we were like super nice in Alaska. I said, could, could you we promote our show? And then he came back and said, she, uh, hey, uh, she wants to know if you'll do some time. So I don't know if he set me up and said, Mark is willing to do some time or she actually asked, <laughs> you're right. oh, that's... but I went up there. I ended up doing like 10 minutes and, you know, you have that little cord and you're like halfway behind the wall with, you know, the coffee machine is right there. And uh-huh. like, so I'm kind of peeking around the corner and be like, what's going on? Has a pilot been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, some flight attendants, uh, use that, you know, opening monologue as a like, kind of little open mic. Yeah. Southwest was really big on that. especially like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And now it's, it's really pared down, but you get on there and they were always trying to out joke themselves, you know, and right. like, ah, oh, not this one again. <laughs> and they do the song, you know, the little, the little parody song. <laughs> but, uh, 
I appreciate it. it was it was fun you know I mean, how how often do you get a an airline uh, thirty thousand foot credit you know? so, <laughs> yeah it's amazing even if only yeah. seven people laughed I'll take it <laughs> that's unique so yeah like going back you know what age were you when you knew you wanted to do comedy and uh, how did that all come to well, happen the age I li- I know I liked comedy I was probably seven eight years old I used to watch a lot of sitcoms and my parents had comedy records and you know so I, I kind of grew up hearing that but uh probably the first real ex- exposure to comedy where i started thinking about it seriously and this is probably way back in the 80s since i'm way older than you guys is i saw sam kennison the, the old yeah the, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah crazy man of comedy i don't know i forget what his moniker but he was at a student union in la i just graduated from college in san diego my friend said hey you should come we're gonna go to a comedy show and it was like 20 30 people you know in this little tiny student union cafeteria and the guy just torched the room. It was just insanity. Like, and then like three months later, he's like blew up, you know, and that's like right. next thing he's doing arenas. So I thought, oh, that would be fun. And then fast forward, I got married and had kids and I was working for the state of California doing, uh, uh, I was a driving examiner. Right, right. It was right. the farthest thing from comedy. And then I, um, I, I quit that and opened a driving school. And people were saying, oh, you're funny because I teach traffic classes for people who got tickets in California. Oh, you should do stand up. We really think you're funny. You made the class a lot. It was the best one we've been to. It was like, there's no good traffic school, but it was was tolerable. It's a low bar. So I started thinking in the back of my head. Then I went to a one nighter uh, at a Lions Club in the little town where I was living in Northern California. And the comedian uh, that was doing the show, his name was Donald Lacey. It was his first show back after his daughter had been murdered in Oakland. So he had endured all this suffering with his daughter and got this. And he did the show. And it was just amazing. The audience could have been more supportive. And then he was, he was like so cathartic for this guy. And it was just a real, just to see that energy. I'm like, if this guy can go through that pain and, and be that funny. And, and it was in the head of that kind of energy. I said, I, you know, I got to stop, you know, being chicken and around and make it happen. So I went in uh, Sacramento and I ended up t- taking a class at a guy's cause I was trying to hire him to teach traffic school for me. And, and he liked, he liked my stuff and taking me on the road. Yeah. Oh sweet! That's yeah. so cool. Well, realistically, let's 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 be honest. I had maybe ten minutes, and you're supposed to have thirty. It was you know, when you would go on the road, the headliner do sixty, and the feature supposed to do thirty on these one nighters. Yeah. yeah. But he knew I had a valid license and insurance because I owned a driving school, so he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I just, I'll cover the time." Right. So, <laughs> really, I got I was more a driver than an opener. <laughs> okay. Man. That's a good way in, though. It's a good it, way. Yeah, in. it works. You start you know? building that ten minutes more. And plus, I was self-employed because I'd left the state and I was I was teaching students to drive, so I would just. Okay, I won't schedule Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm going to be in, you know, Astoria and Oregon and Tillamook, Oregon. So I just block off the time. So it was. I had that. Just the things all fell in place. But it was. It was a struggle. I lived two hours from the closest comedy club. I, right. lived to, I live in the mountains in Northern California. Sometimes you go do five minute turnaround. Just you know, no one's laughing or just just a terrible gig. No audience. Drive back two hours. Just sitting there. <laughs> ruminating yeah, yeah. I went, first time <laughs> I went cook. to the punchline in San Francisco I didn't know they have a, they have like a, a process where you go and basically hang out for like six seven months until they finally put you up on the Sunday night showcase I just kind of walked in there and I'm like hey uh, I was going to see if I can sign up do some time tonight and the guy's uh, like well, uh, that's not quite how it works right. <laughs> right. so painful drive back that was three hour drive home without, without even getting any stage time <laughs> yep I've had some of those long drives where you get to just really think yeah. about <laughs> reconsider your choices very much so yeah and there's no one in the car to kind of talk you out of it too you know, especially just by yourself that's why yeah. it's fun we do a lot of road gigs back in the day with, with their comics and that, you know, that's, that's a lot easier to digest 
the, the, the fun shows and the, and the painful shows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you must be a pretty good driver then if you've been instructed all funny, these years. The funny thing is, I was always considered the worst driver in high school, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I yeah. almost hit a fence one time. Uh, I, uh, I think I hit a curb. I, I was not very, but, but I, problem was also I, I had bad night vision. I didn't know it. And I ended up getting, you know, because I was having trouble seeing the board. So I went to an eye doctor finally. It was like, had my license for a year. Oh, yeah, you need you need glasses. It's like, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I am, I am a pretty safe driver. I mean, I don't know if I'm the best skilled driver, but. Right. Yeah. but you, I, know the, you know the stuff. You know the book. Like all the rules. The, oh, all the rules. <laughs> I was a good teacher, yeah. So I, I, probably, I, I probably taught about 5,000 people how to drive, you know. So. I did uh I was mandated to do traffic school once. Oh, what, well, what'd what you do? prompted that mandate? Yeah. Um, a lot of speeding tickets. So it wasn't just one. It was accumulation. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't a malicious speeding. I didn't mean to do it. It was yeah. just losing, just not realizing how, how fast. What, what's the worst uh, ticket you got? How fast were you going? How much over the speed limit? Uh, it, it probably... Probably like 20. See, now there's always how much you were written up for over the speed. Yeah, that's different. Of a break the officer gave you. They gave yeah. me, they definitely gave me a break each yeah. time. But uh, but since I did traffic school, it, it, it really did help. I haven't gotten a ticket since. You're reformed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a new go. man. I'm reborn. <laughs> Recovering speeder. <laughs> <laughs> did so, being a driving instructor uh, – have give you more faith in drivers on the road or less faith on drivers well, on the road? Some of the comics I get on the road with, I really like get a little like, dude, we're going to be there four hours early. You really don't have to do 85 <laughs> you miles want an that, hour. That brake okay. pedal on, on the yeah. side that you have. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I have, I have more observation of other drivers, but I noticed by States, it's like Utah is a pretty good state for drivers. They're pretty chill. Nevada, where I live now, they're a little iffy. California is pretty crazy. Illinois, Chicago nuts. Just, yeah, you just it's it's like it's the worst video games. Oh it's, man, it's like, yeah, I, yeah. Grand, Theft, Grand Theft Auto Live. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. And they get toll booths and potholes and people don't signal and and then but the, I just it's it's weird. it's almost like odd comedy audiences. Each to me, each area region of the country has its own like driving mo. Obviously, there's it's not exact as people are people, but it tends to be a kind of a group. Uh, does the comedy audience correlate with the drivers in some way? That's a good question. Let's see <laughs> now. I like Minnesota a lot. Wisconsin, they're very chill in the Midwest. Uh, Texas, they can be a little boisterous and they like to drive fast. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. To that. yeah. Interesting. This is a good research study. I right? like this idea. In, um, Let's get the data. <laughs> driver and laugher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Chicago, you were talking about drivers in Chicago. And I, I lived in Chicago just for a few months. Um, and... One one time, my my friend he had a motorcycle and a truck, and I drove the truck. I used to drive the truck around. He used to drive his motorcycle in Chicago. Motorcycle, in, in, yeah, in Chicago, wow. his his motorcycle ran out of gas, so I had to go pick him up in the truck and tow him using some of those just like orange <laughs> like straps. Straps. Oh, we we just tied the the motorcycle to the truck. So the but, handlebars, and he's just towing them. Mm-hmm. Rush hour in Chicago. We're trying to get home, and I'm like, and I'm just, I'm trying to drive as even keel as possible. But every time I accelerate or slow down, it tugs on the on the motorcycle. It was it. Oh no! Can you put the motorcycle in the truck bed, or was it too heavy? Too heavy. Okay. But uh, 
Did you ever cover a situation like that in traffic school? Is that legal, no. first of all? I'm uh, pretty sure that's not legal in <laughs> any state <laughs> or developing country. <laughs> I got I got hit by a doctor on my motorcycle. He made a U-turn from the bike lane right in front of me. <laughs> a doctor? A doctor. He was late for a golf game. And he denied <laughs> his name. He said like... A, Dr. Kim on the license plate. He's driving oh, a Cadillac. that's so funny. I said, oh, are you a doctor? Oh, no, no, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so I, I, was, I was fine. I got my jacket tore. My, the motorcycle got totaled, but I just slid. And I was, my, I had my helmet on. I just walked away. Oof. That's but scary, it, though. Yeah, that's weird when he, you know, a guy just turned. Give me a U-turn. How do you, how do you just do that? Not even look, you know, but. Yeah. So I have respect for motorcycles. I've, I've never done any comedy gigs on a motorcycle, though. So I, I just just cars. Well, yeah, <laughs> that'd be a difficult one to pull off. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to ride a especially long if you're distance. bringing merch. You know, you got a backpack, <laughs> yeah. t-shirts. You know. Yeah, coasters what saved him? flying well, out of your the, backpack. Uh, uh, was the I'm a stupid t-shirt you know <laughs> I think if you put an audience in the truck bed and then we're towing the motorcycle <laughs> behind it and doing jokes, <laughs> then it could work out. That'd be really safe. Too. My buddy in Bend, Oregon, he was doing Bend Comedy Club. He had actually a moving van. He converted into a stage, like the flat, you know, the lift gate. <laughs> oh, really? pulled, that was the stage, and you roll up. He had chairs in the back. and But oh, I think funny. he blew a transmission, so that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when venues go down like yeah, that. That's, that's rough. sad. Yeah. <laughs> rough. My grandpa was a doctor, but he, he always called motorcycles murder cycles because he saw too many people get killed on them. <laughs> he really tried to scare yeah. us kids see from i'm them. from i'm from the old school dude i was born in the 60s so we used to, i don't know if you guys got into your driver's training driver's ed you get all the bloody you know like red asphalt highway three and it's like they'd have like this you know decapitated people like you can even show this stuff now yeah like, oh, I, I, I never got any counseling yeah 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 be suing the school district you know, <laughs> these gruesome accidents they were real they would like, show you real stuff that it was happened. like scared straight stuff and, yeah. Jeez, that's yeah. is that something you showed in your classes when you were teaching i did or? a little bit I, I like the road rage stuff so i would i like you know because in the 90s and i was doing a lot of class i started the school in 94 that was kind of i want to say that was the, the peak of road rage it was you know big hair and road rage back then <laughs> but you had you had a lot of that coming on so i would show those uh segments from like 2020 or 60 minutes whatever one of those yeah. shows and that, that kind of that kind of made a difference because there were some there's some pretty angry people in traffic school yeah <laughs> i'll admit yeah. i get i think i have a, a, a titch of the road rage yeah, like me too I'm not, I'm not i'm a very safe driver but when people are doing crazy things it just makes me furious I anyone like you can be the most even keel person if someone does not really stupid how quick we can just snap on them mm -hmm. what yeah the, <laughs> yeah and then that, like in the rest me. of the time i'm, I'm all zen but now <laughs> But you can't, you know, I, I had to kind of t tape it that down. You couldn't do it to the student driver. You couldn't road rage on someone else with the kid. Look at this idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this person here is uh, not checking his blind spot. <laughs> so you you also, you worked at the DMV and was that in the test division then? The, yes. Okay. I started out as like a, a registration clerk. Then I got promoted to called it licensing registration examiner, LRE. So, okay. so you would get in the car with, and, and I, I was in a very rural, impoverished town that the vehicles weren't of the best quality. Right. <laughs> a lot of tempest spares during the driving test. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like, I don't think this thing passed a smog check. And, you know, they first the first driver's driving test I gave while I was in training in Sacramento, I walk out to the to the office. The guy, his, his whole pickup bed was full of empty beer cans. <laughs> so, are you drunk now? Are you just going to recycling? Uh, you, you empty so trash funny. cans? I was like. <laughs> and I have no sense of smell. So I was like, I was really nervous. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You failed. <laughs> have you never had a sense of smell? No, not that I remember. No, I think I, it's adenoids or something like that. So I oh. tell people now, I say, you know, it's 
you know, they say COVID, one of the, one of the side effects is loss of sense of smell. So I, I have COVID-1985. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Patient zero, we found you. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I lost it for a little bit when I, when I got COVID. Did I, you lose the taste also? Taste and smell. And for like a year after, I, onions and peanut butter couldn't, tasted, tasted bad. I couldn't eat anything with onions or peanut butter. I had to take, I got the COVID and took a Paxlovid or one of them, and you had the metallic taste on every bit of food for like a week. Mm-hmm. It tasted like you were eating a, a, a razor or something or yeah. a, piece of, a piece of aluminum foil. Like, right. Yeah. That's not fun. Right. Yeah. That's tough. Did you get that? I never got COVID. I think I'm one of the few. Wow. I was in a car with somebody for like six hours driving back from uh, Mesquite <laughs> in Nevada, but he got home because he was feeling sick and he tested positive. Like, oh, for sure. I got, I was just in a car for six hours right yeah. next to this guy. Took the test a few days in a row. Nothing. George got the antibodies. He's right. I think I am the cure. <laughs> 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 um, let me ask you this. DMVs often get a bad rap. Nobody's excited to get a, mm-hmm. to go no. to the DMV. No. But at the drive our podcast, we like, you know, showing the other side, yeah. broadening our horizons. That's right. Is there anything you can share about being at the DMV to give some people some sympathy? There's no broadening of horizons. Yeah, generally the workers are pretty miserable because you're facing this onslaught of people lying to you all day long about what they paid for the vehicle and they lost the paperwork. And then you would have these poor people that would – you know, they'd get the wrong information. They'd go out and then the clerks, just some, some, most of them were pretty diligent and they cared. Some just didn't care. So they'd, they'd come back. Oh, they didn't tell you you need this. And the poor person like waited in line or took them three weeks. Or the kids show up for the driving test. And I've always felt bad. And they, they fail the test by like one point, but it's like, or two points, but it's like uh, not enough where you can like let them, you know, they got to wait two you weeks. You can't round up. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think the D, there should be you know, some sort of grief counselor available for the DMV employees. But, <laughs> and I moved from an office. I was working in an office that was like, 50, 60 employees in, in Southern California. Then I moved to an office in Santa Barbara area. There was like 15 employees. Then I'm like, I'm going to move to Northern California. I found this really nice spot. I want to live in the country. It was like six employees. But the lines, there were still like 25 people in line. It was still the same ratio. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 so instead yeah, of 50 yeah. employees and 200, 300 people, there was five employees and 30 people. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. So if you had to fix the dmv how would you go about doing it uh chat gpt (laughs) (laughs) remove the human element completely just get right yeah just get robots in there (laughs) okay that's the one job nobody's scared of ai taking they're they're lobbying for it actually right Right. (laughs) i wonder if they'll just yeah i guess they can't just go they can't do that in the car because someone's going to grab the wheel for the driving test that'll never go away (laughs) what would what would you change i I think it would just be the technology where the, the interface where people could get the information in real time. Yeah. Cause there's always, everyone always leaves one minor detail. It's just too much human error. And if 4%, 2, 4% of the DMV interactions are human error every day, that's, you know, tens of yeah. thousands of people. Yeah. And I think the, in a, in a, in a, if DMV did work better, I think people probably wouldn't dislike government as much. And that's probably the most hated division <laughs> yeah. of the, of the state or federal government. <laughs> but it does, but you're saying, it kind of deserves most of that. Ammo. Yeah, it's it's mostly deserved, but it's you know it's underfunding, it's undertraining, right. it's overwork. It's, you, you know, it's, you yeah. could say that TSA. You know, you go to some airport like today. I was in Oakland, and waiting to get on there, and they were so backlogged. These people were leaving the other terminal to come to our terminal, and our terminal it was it was the line was so bad. 
that the people were getting on the, the TSA people were getting in the pre-check were getting in the regular line, the regular people, because no one was there to tell them. Yeah. It was just this chaos, you know. And again, it's not that they didn't know what they're doing. It's just understaffed and yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's good to know as miserable as I am to go to the DMV, the employees are just as miserable to see me. There, there is a, there is something coming together. There. Yeah. No one, you know, in the movies always, no one's enjoying like being, I don't think maybe there's some people that like, like the level of cruelty at DMV and sending someone away. But I, I think that mostly no one's enjoying the interaction. They just want it to go smoothly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would try yeah. to crack jokes and, and be, have fun with people in it, but you know, it's, it's hard to bring levity to the DMV. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a hard place. <laughs> and to, I wrote a DMV sitcom. I tried to pitch it, but they, they, uh, I, I forget what the, what the it was kind of a throwback to the like the nineties, you know. But uh-huh, I think yeah. the Meet the Goldbergs had come. So like, oh, we already have a okay. throwback thing. I, I like the sound of it. I mean, there's yeah. I want to do a DMV reality show. Ashton Kutcher, though, I found out he tried to do that like a few years before I did. The Ashton Kutcher, like I guess yeah. he must have had a really bad experience when he went to his DMV reality show yeah. about employees at the DMV. Yeah, because there's oh, like you know it's the counter employees, then there's all the drama behind the scenes, all, all sorts of drama. Then there's the uh, the driver safety part where you know you have the older drivers trying to keep their license. Like my mom got her license pulled, right? You know she she couldn't she got in trouble. She goes, well, I don't know what he was upset about. Well, mom, you didn't go on a green light. Okay, you can't stay there. You can just go, <laughs> not, not wait. You know, so. They're not suggestions. Yeah. Like the green lights. Oh, man. <laughs> That's funny. I can picture executives looking at a DMV place being like, this is just too dark for us to green light for, <laughs> yeah, for a comedy. America's they, not really they all have bad Yeah, I don't know what there. something happened. It was, it was, I think it was green lit and then something happened to the light. There was some legal issues and maybe out of the employees. But then you think everyone coming in DMV are going to make them sign. I have to sign another form now releasing, maybe you can see my Oh yeah, for the reality show. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to sign this. I'm about to cuss this lady out. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's funny. So from DM, DMV, to uh, driving instructor, right. having your own business, and then right. doing stand-up. Um, how did that lead you to a, a dry bar special eventually? Well, I, I'd always work clean. You know, my uh, first mentor, this guy by the name of Del Van Dyke in Sacramento, I said, man, work clean. You don't need... So I, I was never one to, you know, get, do a lot of uh, hot-button issues or or work dirty. So I'm just like, hey, that, that just kind of became my wheelhouse. And then... Uh, I think 2017, 2018, someone suggested, hey, Keith Stubbs looking for some clean comedians. You should reach out. And I did. And that season was filled. And I kind of forgot about it. And he reached out to me and it didn't work. And I'm like, so you think, you know, this is never going to happen. Then one day, yeah. oh, hey, I got this opening. Can you come here? And and, and it worked out fun. It was it was great. And like the audiences could have been better. You know, that's that's it's nothing like having the comedy when it clicks, when the, the audience feng shui is just right. So to me, yeah. that's, that's, that's the main thing there. Cause you can, you can have your best set, but if, if the audience isn't buying in what you're selling, it doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. Right. So. Had you performed in Utah much before? Or was this one yeah, of your first not times? Not too much. No, I mean, I've been, I've been out to uh, price and I think Draper and St. George. And I think I've done uh, a weekend at wise guys in the past, but in, in uh, Salt Lake, but, not much. I, I seem to end up in the Northwest a lot. And then uh, for some reason, because I started there. So it's kind of where the region you start, you keep getting rebooked yeah. there. Yeah. A lot in the upper Midwest. And then I do a lot of tribal casinos, of course, go figure. And then uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of cruise ships. So probably, probably 60%, of some, 60, 70% now is cruise ships. That's cool. Do you yeah. like the cruise ship life? How do you feel about it? 
I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of institutionalized. I'll be honest. You know, like, you know, you get used to free food. Yeah. Then I'm on the road. I'm like, oh, I got to stop and wait in line to order food, and they want they want to pay for this. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> I got to you know check into I the am? hotel. Yeah. I can't just walk into my room. It's just it is kind of surreal because everyone else is on vacation. You're working. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's the the atmosphere is very chill. You get on a ship of three or four thousand uh, cruisers, and then you know you do a show. Now you're like oh you're like the big cheese which is people treat you nice and you know and they know who you are and this and the staff uh generally gives you the run of the place so it has its advantages you know over you're not you're on a cruise ship you know you're not uh on land growing your your brand necessarily and you're not getting projects that might come up you know for for tv or or, or writing but uh I, I like i like the uh, simplicity of it you go you Basically, you walk out of your cabin, and like 30 seconds later, you're at work. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah the no commute's nice. No traffic. The rental car doesn't get a flat tire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. I asked selfishly because I'm doing some cruises this summer. Good. That's for my first time. Oh. But I've heard some comedians really don't like what it. What cruise line? Like it. I may ask. Uh, you know, carnival. Yeah. No, Carnival. You got to do – it's very busy. The Carnival crowds are great, but you got to do like sometimes two or three shows a night. Yeah. A lot of times you'll fly all night to get to the down to the – caribbean or wherever you, and you got to do a show that day after you've gone through customs and then got you wait to get your room and get processed through so right. it can be a little challenge but yeah. then you get you got all day to sleep you can rest up oh, you know? looking forward yeah. <laughs> to it already. Hopefully we'll be working together on a show <laughs> yeah that'd be cool yeah um at post dry bar special have you had fans reaching out to you at all about any certain bits that they liked or things that they were glad you talked about or anything like that yeah, I mean, people will quote like the the ones about uh, uh, I've been to the desert on a horse with no name, you know, folk yeah. get out of the rain. They like that. And some people go, oh, yeah, uh, that I do a joke about uh, a GPS voice and a Nigerian on the GPS voice. And he was given directions to the bank. And right. Them, right? right, right, so, right, right. So there, there's some things I'll quote, but most people just say, oh, man, we love your stuff. And uh when, when you know some people ask once you do another dry bar and then, so that's that's kind of nice but i wouldn't say i'm like super quotable you know what i mean but <laughs> you get it's, it's nice to get recognition though you'd be like an airport or i was at the gym one time because oh yeah man i watch your stuff on dry bar oh yeah awesome yeah, yeah that's cool that's yeah. awesome so you're here now to record another dry bar special yes is there any uh, sneak preview or uh, a little teaser you want to give the people over oh, podcast people. oh wow yeah what kind of what kind of I guess I'll talk about my, um, a little bit about growing up. I grew up in uh, Los Angeles. I grew up in an area in LA known as uh, Pacoima, which is Spanish for, I uh, just park on the lawn. And, <laughs> <laughs> and some of the people I didn't realize at the time, we live in the city, but some of my neighbors and the, the surrounding uh, streets had like half an acre, acre properties, and they'd be on horseback. They'd go out and ride their horses around LA on the street. It was a weird thing, right? And I went back uh, like a year ago, and I'm at a red light, and this guy actually pulled up to me. Uh, he's riding his horse and it's like i look over it's like this dude's like all cowboyed out he's like cowboy boots uh jeans belt buckle stetson and like a, he had a snoop dog t-shirt i'm like this guy is hip-hop and clip clop that's a vibe as the kids say that's yeah. a vibe for sure <laughs> well I'm, I'm excited to hear more about your uh so sounds like there's a lot about growing up yeah, a little bit, a little bit of growing up, a little bit about uh, we owned a horse when I met, and a little about my daughters, and I, uh, uh, my, I have a, a baby grandson now. He's, he's one, and I tell, I talk about him a bit. He's, he's part Arab, he's part Jewish, he's part Native. 
but he lives in California, so we're raising a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> so do, uh, do your daughters like your comedy? How's that dynamic? They've been pretty supportive of it. You know, once in a while, I used to do a lot about homeschooling, so they'd give me grief about that. But yeah, because I said my daughters, it was homeschool was great. It, 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 one of my kids is always student of the month, you know, on the, <laughs> right. yeah. you can motivate them in homeschool. If you want to be on the honor roll, you better get out there and mow that lawn. <laughs> so they, they, they kind of clown me a bit about that. But no, they were, they, they were very, you know, see, I started comedy when they were like eight, 10 years old. So they thought, oh, you just go to, you just go hang out at bars and joke with people they thought that's all comedy was they didn't realize all the work involved you know and the travel and social media like you're not you're not just doing stand-up you're doing you're a travel agent you're a social media person you're a, a tax preparer for your tax <laughs> yeah. guy and yeah so it's like no this is a little daddy's putting a little more work give me some credit yeah yeah that's, great. that's a good yeah. good perspective to give these kids <laughs> hey man you're, it'll be your 25 of the 50-year plan is coming up so my yeah i started in 1999 so I figured we're half, I'm halfway there. <laughs> there, we <go. laughs> there we go. Well, it's been an absolute joy to talk with you, Mark. Um, and we're super stoked for your second yeah, special. special. Thanks, man. It was fun. Is Let's there anything you want to plug or talk about before uh, we get out of here? Uh, well, people are welcome to go to my website. It's laugh with Mark, M-A-R-C, because my parents couldn't spell. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you, do you, because you're a... Uh, the minority with people, Mark with a C, you know? Yeah. My grandfather, my mom's father was Marcos. So they just shortened it. Oh, and then okay. Yaffe, Y-A-F-F-E-E -E, is very uncommon. So I get Mark, you know, my posters, Mark Waffle, Mark Ye <laughs> Yehee, Mark Yahoo, <laughs> Mr. Yippee. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. How do, do people ever say your name, Mars or? Marcy. I've got Marcy. Because <laughs> I had Mark Yaffe at Gmail. I didn't put the dot in there. So Marcy Afe at Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> I love Marcy Afe's comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Marcy Afe. Your alter ego. That's right. Oh, that's funny. Well, great. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah. And uh, thank you to the viewers. This has been another episode of the Driver Comedy Podcast. Please drop a review and uh, let us know what you think, anything any, or anyone you'd like to see in the future. But uh, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Thanks.